Welcome to this Strengthening Families and Communities Forum on today, um, May 29th, 2022. Um, so grateful you could join. We'll get started though. Our first speaker is Mr. Michael Marshall. So you can introduce yourself. Uh, thank you, Richard, for that uh, introduction. Um, as he said, my name is Michael Marshall. I'm a former editor of United Press International. And before that, I was the executive editor of a monthly magazine called The World and I magazine, uh, which dealt with a broad range of topics, including you know, current events, but also the arts, science, history, literature, and so on, uh, all from a, a, a spiritual uh, perspective. Um, what I'm going to talk about today, now I do uh, quite a bit of consultant work for um, a couple of NGOs. Um, so I do quite a bit of research. A lot of it is to do with international relations, but I've also done some digging into family related issues. So my theme today, my topic today is families as the building blocks of a harmonious society. And my, the thesis is that the family is the key to physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of individuals and communities and also to resolving much of the moral and social confusion affecting our society today. So uh, just read a, a quote from an organization, one of the many organizations that don't get the publicity they deserve, uh, promoting uh, families. This one is from the International Federation for Family Development. Uh, the IFFD is an NGO which is in special consultative status with the UN. So they have quite a, a high profile role. And they say that uh, as basic and essential building blocks of societies, families have a crucial role in social development. They bear the primary responsibility for the education and socialization of children, as well as instilling values of citizenship and belonging in the society. So that, that's, that's, that's what my thesis is and what many family groups are, are, are promoting. Now, there's a great deal of focus in the media and popular culture on all manner of different lifestyles and everybody should be free to enjoy whatever, you know, whatever type of relationships they, they, they want. And this has been to the neglect of traditional families and, and stable families, um, which, which is a, a very sad thing. And it's, and it's an, an actually a tragic thing and it's important this attitude uh, and neglect of the traditional family there's something delusional and and self-centered on a cultural level about it because it ignores the tremendous wealth of sociological research that documents very clearly the benefit of stable two-parent families there's masses of social uh, research that, 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 that shows that. Uh, in terms of delusional or self-delusion, let me just give the example of no-fault divorce. So in the 60s, uh, no-fault divorce became available. Before that, divorce was on the grounds of uh, abuse, adultery, abandonment. And th those were the grounds on which a divorce could be had. No-fault divorce, basically, you could have a divorce when you got fed up with your partner, you didn't, didn't, didn't make each other happy anymore. And of course, 
uh, when that when that took place, there was questions about well, what are the consequences for children? And a lot of the psychological literature, although they they, they really didn't have evidence, uh, came out saying, well, children are resilient, so they will adapt. So it's basically telling people what they wanted to hear, uh, which is you can do as you like, and you don't have to worry, there won't be any collateral damage. Uh, this has proved to be just simply absolutely untrue. Uh, since no-fault divorce began, there have been plenty of what they call longitudinal studies, which follow children of divorce over years and even decades. And what they discovered was that not only is there an emotional impact on the children of divorce uh, in, in, in immediate terms, it has an ongoing impact because it affects the attitude of children of divorce towards their own marriage in the future. Um, so, so the effect is not just on the, the individuals themselves, children of divorce, but it has a multi-generational effect because children of divorce are generally much less trusting, much less ready to enter into uh, a, a, a totally committed marriage relationship because their own experience tells them these things uh, don't work. That, that's their own experience from their, 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 own, their own parents. Um, but as I said, back in the 60s, the story was, oh, it's okay because there are no consequences. There are many false narratives like this in the whole realm of of, of uh, family relations, sexual relations, and attitudes. Um, so let, let's look uh, just uh, briefly at uh, some of the benefits that have been uh, documented uh, by serious uh, social science research uh, for stable two-parent fam two fa uh, two families. This is again from the International Federation, Federation for Family Development. Uh, stable families have a higher life expectancy, lower risks of mental illness, alcoholism, and domestic violence. The children show lower infant mortality rates, lower risk of drug addiction, and lower incidence of engaging in criminal activities after puberty. They have higher academic achievement, achievements and fewer unwanted teenage pregnancies. So that's a, that's a pretty sweeping collection of benefits that, uh, that, that arise from stable two-parent two families. Now, the, the, the costs of the, um, uh, if you like, the, the, the disappearance of, um, or, the, or the decline of two-parents families are, are considerable. And, and again, there's plenty of data that illustrates this. So just to set the overall picture, in, in 1960, 5% of births were to unmarried mothers, uh, single mothers. By the late 2000s, 41% of births were to single mothers. So in the course of 50 years, 50, 60 years, this has been a massive cultural change with, with uh, more than 40% of children being, being born to, to, to single mothers. The research has shown negative impacts in the areas of health, education, uh, and uh, 
economic um, prosperity. So health, uh, you might not think that's uh, uh, something that would be affected by uh, divorce uh, or, or single parenthood. Um, children of divorce are 50% more likely to develop health problems, physical as well as mental, uh, than children in stable two-parent families. Uh, what about uh, education? Uh, children in single-parent homes or blended homes. What a blended home is, is uh, uh, two parents, but one is a step-parent. Children in those homes are less likely to graduate high school or complete college. Uh, kids with stepfathers are more likely to be suspended or expelled from school. They are more likely to have problems with their teachers. Uh, they have a lower grade point average, etc. You You get the idea. And what about in the economic uh, field or sphere? Um, the, the, um, in 2009, the poverty rate in the US for single parent families was just over 37%. For two parents families, the poverty rate was 6.8%. That is a huge difference. So on the economic basis, uh, being in a, a single uh, parent home has, has a serious economic uh, impact or, 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 or repercussions. 25% uh, of children under 18 from this 2009 survey uh, are being raised with no father. And almost half of them, 45%, are below the poverty line. Uh, single mothers in 2013 their median income, that means the, the median income is, is in the middle, half of single mothers would be above it, half below, was $26,000. The median uh, income for uh, married couple families was $84,000. So th this uh, trend towards single motherhood has actually created a, 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 a poverty class. Um, uh, so this is significant um, because it means that you have uh, people who struggle uh, to, 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 to get by economically and, and to raise their children. Um, and uh, you know, let, let, let's think about the concern or interest of, of the state, because one of the arguments that gets made is that family arrangements are people's personal responsibility. It's a, it's a privacy issue. But these things have impact on the, uh, on the wider society. Um, if you know, half of children or 40% of children being born are uh, born to single parents, single mothers, single parents, and they're living in poverty, they require the state to provide uh, you know, a, a, a social support net. And if there's a growing number of people and children in that situation, then more and more resources uh, have to go to, to, to uh, these families. Uh, that wouldn't be the case if, if they, they were, uh, children were being born in stable two-parent families. So this has a, has a, has a clear uh, impact. Um, again, the uh, IFFD, I uh, said uh, members of stable families are more disciplined when it comes to fulfilling legal and social norms, contributing towards financing social security. 
Uh, and then they go on to say, a stable family is the lowest cost option for both its members and the state. And uh, Robert Rector, who's written a lot on, uh, on, 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 on values, that marriage is one of the greatest weapons against child poverty. Uh, sadly, these are things that you, you uh, will not read a lot about in our uh, popular, popular media. Um, th this is a, a truth that tends to get pushed into the background because it runs against the narrative of, of so many interest groups promoting various types of false, false freedoms. And we should note that the United States, uh, in, the, in this issue of, of, of welfare and economic uh, prosperity, the United States has one of the highest child poverty rates among developed nations. Uh, and this, the, this, is, this is not primarily economic. The cause is not primarily economic. The cause is primarily cultural. Uh, the decline of respect and interest and practice of the institution of traditional marriage. So what about uh, families and, and, and the future? Um, what, what do we see as we, as we look forward? What we're dealing with, what we're having to struggle with is a change in values from a we culture to a me culture. Uh, we're much more and more emphasis on you know, individual wants and interests and wants and desires become needs and rights and, 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 and so forth. Uh, as a result of this, children suffer um, because they don't have a voice, especially small children don't have a voice uh, about what is good for them. Children don't get a say in whether their parents decide to stay together or to, or to break up in, in most cases. Uh, you might even call ours a culture that practices its own peculiar form of child sacrifice. And that might sound a startling thing to say, but there are many cultural practices currently where the interests of children and the future are sacrificed to the present desires of adults. Uh, one clear example of this, big example, major example, is the whole so-called marriage equality movement. So the marriage equality movement uh, was basically uh, has redefined the meaning of marriage by claiming that marriage is simply a civil right and should be extended to any type of consenting couples who, who want to enjoy it. That is not what marriage was traditionally. This is another false, false narrative. Uh, traditionally, marriage was the joining of two people, a man and a woman, in order uh, to, 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 to uh, conceive and raise children. Children in, in, in the human species take a long time to grow to maturity. So the raising of children requires uh, sacrifice, commitment, and love. And that was what marriage uh, was about, has been about traditionally. Contemporary marriage under marriage equality uh, is, is, is a totally different thing. It is no longer, uh, the, the purpose is no longer uh, building for the future, raising children for the future, who will then 
be responsible for the future. They will be the, 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 the people who form the culture and society, lead it uh, in the future. Instead, it's all about the present. Uh, two, uh, you know, two adults who, who uh, uh, decide that, uh, um, yeah, we, we make each other happy. And uh, so they have a marriage that uh, sort of whatever recognizes that. And then the basis there is purely the satisfaction of uh, each partner by the other in the present. So if that feeling of this person makes me happy dies, then there's no foundation any longer for that marriage and, and it breaks up. So that type of marriage is absolutely present oriented and it's oriented towards the, the, the satisfaction of the desires of adults in the present. Traditional marriage was oriented towards the future with adults making a commitment and taking a responsibility to invest time, effort, love into the raising of children who would then be the future of the society and culture. Um, so that's the sort of, of, of change we've experienced. Um, so in, in this context, uh, you know, rights is a much abused word these days. Every, every, every little interest uh, group or uh, self-proclaimed identity group wants to claim their own particular rights. Um, I, I, a little bit tongue in cheek, but I, I like to consider for a moment, what about children's rights? Uh, None of us were asked, do you want to be born? <laughs> do you want to be born to these parents? Uh, children have no choice in whether they come into the world or not and have no choice over what type of parents they have. Um, but uh, 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 children, I think, deserve to have parents who will be committed to them, having made the decision to have the children. The children are not a, a, a throwaway thing or, or, or some, something to which you give only part of your care and attention. Um, so children of unstable marriages, uh, their, their sense of their fulfilled self, their ability to contribute to society is affected. Um, and I, I think there they should be a movement to promote the idea that children deserve to be born into a, an environment, a, 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 a couple, man and a woman, who, who will uh, nurture those children and devote themselves to them. If that doesn't happen, if, if we continue to live in a society and culture that wants to cater to a wide range of uh, present-oriented interests, satisfying the, 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 the desires of, of various desires of different adults, uh, then it's very difficult to see a future uh, for this society. Societies without a vision uh, don't remain stable and united for very long. Uh, there's the, uh, a, a quote from, uh, I think, the book of Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, and, and a society that looks at only at current, not even needs, but current desires and wants 
and caters primarily to them uh, is basically turning its back on its on its future. So uh, what what is is called for is a revival uh, of of family, beginning with an understanding of the value of uh, stable two parent families. Um, that's a big work in the present uh, circumstances, the present environment. Uh, and I think big cultural changes, even if it's a change back to a, a, an older understanding, um, require more than just good intentions uh, and public policy, although public policy can help. Uh, it takes something like a, 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 a moral and spiritual transformation. Uh, it, it must have a foundation that is not just people's ideas and intellects, but is rooted in, in spiritual truths and, and moral, moral values. So uh, going maybe to the heart of things, in, in the first chapter of Genesis, uh, we, we see the, the, the words, God made man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So that says that human beings are made in the image of God. So there's something divine within each of us. And the fullest expression of the image of God is not in an individual man or an individual woman, but in man and woman together, male and female, he created them. So that, that's his image, not just one or not the other, but the fuller image of God is in man and woman created together. So a man and woman uh, created in God's image together. Um, God is like a parent to, 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 to human beings. And God wants to see his uh, children, son and daughter, uh, originally when he created, create their own children. I mean, we all have that, that uh, desire. Uh, you know, you desire to find someone who can be a partner for your life, marriage, and have children. And then what's your desire for your children? Yeah, you want them to be successful and healthy. Ultimately, your deepest desire would be that they too grow to maturity, marry, and have their children, which becomes your, your grandchildren. And I believe that's a reflection of God's uh, nature and, and heart. So the family that's uh, thus created uh, is a, a school of love and a training ground for, for character. Um, it's where values are learned and practiced. It's where a stable identity is formed of, of, of each individual. And it becomes the basis for future social relations, how, how the child grown to adulthood then relates to the, to the, wider, to the wider society. Um, so if you think about what happens within a, a, a family, a, a stable family, uh, where everyone takes their uh, responsibility seriously. You start off with a, 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 a child. You, our lives begin as children. We're helpless, passive. We receive love from our parents, hopefully. Uh, if we don't, that causes damage that will go the rest of our lives. Um, so that, that's the first experience of love in the family is being loved as a child. The next experience as you grow is with your siblings. Uh, suddenly, you have siblings, maybe you don't have siblings, you have cousins. 
you have to interact with other kids. Suddenly you realize I am not the, the center of the universe. I am not the only uh, person to be taken into account here. So through sibling love, you learn cooperation, you learn competition, you learn how to manage it. Um, you learn friendship, you learn all of these things. As you grow to maturity, you look for a partner in your life uh, and hopefully find that person uh, you share values and, and uh, deals with, you marry. And then that's a third type of love you experience, the love of husband and wife. And the fruit of the love of husband and wife is children. So the child has grown to maturity, married, and has uh, its own, their own children. And in that uh, position, capacity, you learn the heart and love of a parent. So within the family, uh, at least a, a, an ideal picture of the family, you're learning four types of love. Love of a child, love of brothers and sisters, love of husband and wife, love of spouse, and uh, love of parents. And uh, I, I believe that this is a fact that, that this is how God's image is expressed most fully in human beings. So you can say that this sort of relationship is where human beings can meet God most fully, most intimately, and where God meets human beings most fully and most intimately. If you think about it, through the creation of children, through, through, through having children, uh, a husband and wife having children, in doing that, you're sharing the experience of your own parents, you're also experience sharing the experience of God when he first created human beings, and you're sharing to some degree the experience of God uh, towards us as his children. So these four loves then make the family a place where human beings can meet God in a, in a, in a most intimate way. And I uh, also want to suggest that the family, it looks in two directions. Internally, through the type of loves that I've talked about, it becomes a place where uh, people uh, in their lives learn to experience God and the love of God in an immediate and tangible way. So that's looking one direction, uh, you know, towards heaven and God. But from there, it takes that love and looks outwardly uh, to, to our neighbors, to society, our culture, through the extension of the practice of love that has been learned within the family. And this corresponds to the two great commandments that, that Jesus uh, spoke about and that are also in the, in the Hebrew scripture, which is to love God with your heart, all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as, as yourself. So that sort of cultural uh, change and transformation I think can come about through the revival of uh, true traditional families. So they have a, this social benefit, which is what all the social data shows. But that social benefit is built upon uh, a, a spiritual experience and spiritual foundation uh, that can be nurtured most fully and deeply uh, with, within the family. Um, and you know, a, a movement that promotes those things, I think, could see tremendous transformation of, of our culture and society. Uh, let me
just mention in, in, in well, let me sum up with uh, a quote from uh, uh, the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who wrote very thoughtfully and eloquently on these issues. Uh, he, he said about the, the many roles the family plays that the family, man, woman, and child, is not one lifestyle choice among many. It is the best means we have yet discovered for nurturing future generations and enabling children to grow in a matrix of stability and love. It is where we learn the delicate choreography of relationship and how to handle the inevitable conflicts within any human group as the brother, sister, sibling, part sibling rivalry. It is where we first take the risk of giving and receiving love. It is where one generation passes on its values to the next, ensuring the continuity of a civilization. Now, some of you may have uh, heard the presentations yesterday of the, of the unification principle, um, uh, which uh, was, uh, uh, came through uh, uh, Reverend Moon, the late Reverend Moon. Uh, Reverend Moon was very focused and concerned about the state of the family and future of the family. And he initiated a movement uh, for international and intercultural marriage blessing. Uh, and many people around the world, not, not only those associated with uh, uh, Reverend Moon's immediate uh, uh, religious community, um, partook in these ceremonies. And this ceremony was uh, like a rededication for already married couples, uh, a, a commitment of new couples, uh, to, to, to live according to the ideals that I've, I've outlined, uh, and then to spread those ideals and vision through their communities, neighborhood communities, uh, societies, and cultures. Uh, and, and this uh, ceremony is seen as a means of, of connecting, uh, connecting people and families to God's original ideal and hope for what we should and could be. Uh, as as families, uh, and then living living out that uh, that that life, and uh, he had great hope that we would see in the course of this century uh, revival of of uh, of the sort of families I've spoken about. Um, in a speech in 2004, uh, he said uh, one of the things that he foresaw unfolding in the 21st century was this, humanity will gradually come to realize the divine value and social significance of the family as the basic school of true love. This realization will arise out of the painful experiences of family breakdown and the abnormal transformation of the family throughout the world during recent decades. So that's what we see around us, this uh, um, uh, family breakdown and so many challenges, um, but, I, but I do believe that one result of this is that people's hearts and minds will be turned towards a higher ideal, and I hope that we can be uh, messengers of that ideal, uh, both in word and practice. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Michael. Wow, beautiful. So we can now um, have questions, any question or thoughts about the presentation, we'll have time right now. If someone has a thought or a question or 
they want to give their reflection. Yeah, I would like to share something. First of all, thank you um, for that information. Um, and the, I think the other piece of this that we may be missing, uh, and that is um, through the years, I think that this goes back many, many years of what, uh, how that foundation was set up. But I also realized that there's been a breakdown in this communication as it relates to marriage, what it is uh, biblically, you know, educationally, mm -hmm. spiritually, et cetera. And many churches have failed in this area of teaching. Mm -hmm. So if you are in, you know, and again, it's just not all about, you know, Reverend Moon's movement, mm -hmm. but everybody's movement. Mm -hmm. We just need to drop the movements and get to the reality of the truth. And I have to say, as being a pastor that works in domestic violence, mm. uh, it's very difficult for me as a pastor when I am ministering to a husband and a wife. Mm. And there is domestic violence to the degree that they are hospitalized, to the degree mm. uh, that they are almost lose their life. Uh, and how can I, as a pastor, say, stay there? How can I do that from my heart? right, from my spirit or biblically. And then I have to say, would that, would that be what Jesus would want? And I grew up in a culture that the pastors told you, stay, don't leave your husband, pray. And many of those people that I saw and I witnessed either died from the domestic violence or they committed suicide. Mm. So I think we've got to take this another step further to look at the advantages or disadvantages because I think just because we say it's marriage uh, is it really a marriage by God you know you know we take that vows who God has joined together let no man put us under but I have discovered many times it's not God that brought them together it could have been the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eye, right? Or something that they wanted out or wanted from that individual. So that's one thing that I wanted to also share. And yes, I agree that children are most definitely affected. And I'll share this because this is my personal testimony. Um, I grew up with my husband in 1962. Um, and he went to Vietnam war wanted me to promise that I would wait for him and I said no because I know what they do when they get in the war but when he came back in 1970 uh, he said this is my last time I'm going to ask you well I knew of no other man we never was intimate I believed in marriage and I, I wholeheartedly felt like I needed to marry him because I loved him but the fact was he really didn't love me so after getting married in 1970, I put him all the way through school, paid every dime of his education, but his goal was for him to get that degree. After he got that degree, he walked out on me and my daughter at eight years old, mm -hmm. right? He left without reason, without cause, without explanation, nothing. Mm -hmm. So how devastating was that? OK, and so 
So it's like, again, as much as I wanted my marriage, I had no control mm. over his decision. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even given an opportunity to even make it right or find out why or have a discussion. I wasn't given that. So I believe in my heart, even though we divorced, that it was from adultery, which is I found out later because six months after our divorce, he married my neighbor that was right across the street from me. He was 40 years old. She was 26. Plus, she had two other kids by two other men. Mm. How devastating was that? Mm. But look at the glory of God that I want to show you, because that makes a difference in, you know, a woman of God and maybe any other woman. But my decision was to pull my family together. I had a daughter. They had two. Let's come together and be a family. Mm. That's God's structure right? Mm -hmm. Be a family in spite of the circumstances. And even through that process, my, my, my husband was took care of my daughter through college. Uh, she was 38 years old and have her PhD. She can never say that she did not know her mother and father were always there in her life. We mm. just didn't live together. Mm -hmm. Amen. So Amen. Are the kind of stories that we also could share that are real mm -hmm. and her his daughters and my my daughter their family mm -hmm. their sisters they don't say half sister you know they're sisters mm -hmm. and every holiday we come together as a family mm. so that's how god can intervene when it comes to this but was it my choice to be divorced no it was not and as far as I'm concerned now, after all of these years, since 85, I still feel married to my husband because mm. mm. he was my first husband. Mm. Now, you know what it says biblically, mm -hmm. but God hasn't sent another husband, even though I feel released because he committed adultery. The word declares I am free mm. Mm. to remarry. Mm -hmm. But it's my choice. Then mm -hmm. the other thing I wanted to share very quickly, when you look at uh, all of the difference in the cultures, you need to break that out so that we can see the difference in cultures. Because I, I looked at USDA that talked about uh, those cultures that, you know, are getting welfare. Right. They mm -hmm. call it SNAP now. Thirty seven. Thirty seven percent are whites. Mm -hmm. uh, Thirty. I mean, 26 are African-Americans. And Spanish is 16 percent. Mm -hmm. Asians are three. Mm -hmm. So we also have to look at because I think sometimes it's a stigma that we might assume that everybody that's on welfare might just all be African-American. Well, it's mm -hmm. not really true. Mm -hmm. right, true. And the facts is, is that poverty is here. We don't have jobs. And then I just want to say this thing, and I want us to pray about this, because when you think about family structure, I'm looking today because my heart is heavy. Every one of those young men, those shooters, that mass shooting have mm. been young men from 18 to 19 years of age. Mm. They appear to have all been white. Mm. What was going on in their home? Mm -hmm. Did they come up in a single family home? Did they come up with a, a father and a mother? So regardless to that circumstances, we've got a real serious problem as the body of Christ. Mm. My prayer is, is that we all come together and heal 
Mm. And so today my message is, is that, yes, we do have a serious issue, but we've got to help everybody. We've got to pull all of us together. Mm. God does not see black and he doesn't see white. And we've got to break that barrier Mm -hmm. and find the love of God in our heart and help build up each other and support each other because that's what he's looking for. Mm. And I believe that he will not return until that happens. Mm. And so that's my prayer today. And Richard, I, you know, I thank God for you and your wife and for all that you do. I am born West Virginian. Okay. Mm. I was born there. I know the culture in West Virginia, right? I know the politics in West Virginia and I know what happens there. Even though I've been gone since 1970, I still have friends there. So West Virginia is still a home for me. And I just want to thank you, uh, Mr. Marshall, because again, the information you're giving is so pure. But what I'd like to see is let's pull these churches together. Mm. Let's pull these pastors together Mm. and let's see what they're teaching in these churches. Mm -hmm. And are they exemplifying that holy man of God with a wife Mm -hmm. that he that they're loving? And and a lot of counseling that I do in pastoral care, I am counseling um, the wife of the pastor Mm. that is being abused Mm. and is afraid to get out of the relationship. Because if they do, it'll break up the church, it'll break up the home, and it'll break up a community. So we've got some serious issues, and I love this subject. Thank you so much. Please pray for me. Please pray for me as I pray for each one of you. Keep up the great work, Richard. I'm proud of you. I'm supportive of you. I'm behind you, you know, to do the right thing. And that's what you're doing when you share these uh, these trainings. So thank you so much for this opportunity. I love you in Jesus' name. And I've got to my service. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you so much.